You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay. As always, the first real off-season episode of the last little while after Vegas has won the Stanley Cup. They had their parade last night, which was very drunk, as we can all expect from a a Golden Knights championship parade. But the season is officially, officially over. And believe it or not, we actually do have a trade. It is definitely a move that happened for the Avalanche, and that is the best possible way to describe it. It's a trade by legal definition. Definitely is one. We are in the offseason when we're leading the show with, with such a monumental trade that's going to change the avalanche for years to come. Um, acquiring Frederick Olofsson. Did I say that right? Did I get his name right? You did. All right. I should know Definitely better. Uh, for future considerations. So, Which is my favorite uh, thing, because it's nothing. We just have to throw something in the trade. The Avs got Frederick Olsen from the Dallas Stars for nothing. Yeah, pretty much. Um, what the Avs acquired is definitely a player. He is he is a hockey player. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we will... Like, I don't think this is an earth-shattering trade, but it is something. Yeah, it's something. I mean, Frederick Olsen has played his first NHL games this year with the Dallas Stars at 27. He played 28 games with them in the regular season. And then when Jamie Benn was suspended in the Western Conference final, played those two games in his stead and played two games in the playoffs. He's a guy who's going to come in here and probably be in the Charles Houdon, Ben Myers conversation as in the mix where you shouldn't be surprised if he's on the fourth line but it's probably not the best thing if he is. 
Yeah, probably not the best thing. I mean, we've had pretty good luck about acquiring Dallas Stars cast-offs in I mean, recent history. So who knows? Maybe. Um, but I, I completely agree with you. This is at like at best case scenario, he's a fourth liner. I mean, yeah. th- that's really what we're looking at here. Uh, it adds just another depth piece to the Abs and to the Eagles. I'm sure the Eagles are ecstatic that they actually got a player who can play. Um, and I'm not going to be shocked. Like, would he plays what, like 25 games for the abs this year? Would that shock you in the least? No, I, th- I think that's a pretty good benchmark. Might even be a little bit on the high side. But for if there are injuries, it's a guy who has played even a, a limited amount at the NHL level. And I don't, I kind of like him based on the stuff I've seen watching some film and watching even just how he played in the playoffs for Dallas. He's very involved in a lot of things on the ice, even if. The raw numbers are not there. He's not afraid to go into the boards. He's not afraid to to get in the mix with a lot of guys. He comes off as a guy who's 27 and is fighting for a spot on NHL rosters. He's going out there and he's giving it everything he's got. So I don't mind the pickup. I think it's a guy who's going to fight real hard for a spot at training camp. And I think it's interesting and worth noting, this is the first move that they made. And they went out and went out of their way to go and get him and sign him to a new contract, which they could have just done in free agency. Kind of like Dallas did us a favor by just giving him to us for future considerations, quote unquote. Do we ever find out what the future considerations are? I have never seen like even like five years down the line, a team be like, we're cashing in our future considerations card. You owe us a seventh round pick. I don't know why we even bother with future considerations. It's nothing. Just say we're giving them to you. Right. Like, it's just weird. Like, I, I'm trying to think, like, if there has ever been a future considerations where, like, it was a notable player. Like, that could be a fun deep dive in for someone else to do. Like, find us a future consideration who turned into a good NHL player. It's like you look at all future considerations. Like I'm, I'm going to look at like just 2004 or whatever future considerations. They, they, they don't turn it. It just stays future considerations. I don't understand why we lie to ourselves. Be like, yeah, we'll give you something later. But anyway, just like back to the points. Like it almost seems like Dallas did us a favor by just letting us get this guy early. And clearly it's a guy that the Avalanche identified as a guy that can fit their system and can potentially help them if they're willing to go out and even bother to go get this guy before free agency even begins. So clearly it's a guy on their list that they like. And I think that's something at least worth noting. So when training camp rolls around, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a pretty fair shake. I wouldn't be surprised either. Um, but if you think he's going to be like a key contributor to the team, let's let's be real here. He may not be. He may be. We don't know. I mean, there were moments last year where Charles Houdon was solid, but he only played, what, like 15, 20 games? Yeah. And even like the Charles Houdon comparison, I think of this maybe even more as like Anton Bleed, where this was a guy who was signed in the offseason last year as a free agent, except this time you're just getting him before everyone else has a chance to get him. So it's a guy who's going to be in the mix for maybe an open spot on the fourth line in training camp, going to be an option when inevitably injuries start to pile up with this team, because what team are we talking about here? This is the avalanche. There's going to be a time where Freddie Olofsson is going to come into the lineup and be relied on to maybe play some not insignificant minutes 
But based on the very small sample I've seen from Freddie Olofsson, from him playing for Dallas for two games in the playoffs and the little bit I was able to see in the regular season, I like how he plays. He has a very strong drive, I think, is the best way to describe a player like him. He tries hard. Yeah. He gives it uh, his I can all. Live with that. He's going he's gonna to go out there and he's going to try. We There was a lot of time this season where we accused people of being passengers. When Freddie Olsen's in the lineup, I have a hard time seeing this guy being a passenger. Even if the the skill and talent isn't there, he's going to try. And, uh, and this this excites me more than Dryden Hunt, I think is is fair to say. I don't know, man. Dryden Hunt was sick for like the first five games we had him. He scored a goal. Did yeah, so. he was cool for those first five games, man. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a move. Hopefully there's more coming up in the next couple of weeks because holy cow, um, it's going to be a long summer. Uh, I saw a tweet and it it just perfectly like put how I felt about it. Like last summer, we were so spoiled with just all the cup content and we were able to like make it through the summer because it's like you're getting fresh stuff every single day. Uh, this summer is going to be a little bit different. This summer's already been going on for a month and a half. Right. I mean, like, it, it's going to be a little bit, a little bit different for us. I mean, this time last year, the we were in what game three of the cup final right now, or was it game was today game two? Or was that yesterday? Yesterday was game two. I think tomorrow is game three. Yeah. So we're I still in, this point last year, we were still in the beginning of the Stanley cup final. So it's a little bit, of an adjustment right now. But even going back to the Olofsson trade, this is probably something we're going to see a lot more moves like this, maybe not acquiring players like this, but in free agency, guys of similar caliber, because we already have Sampo Ranta going off to Sweden. We don't know what the plan is, if they're going to bring back Alex Galchenyuk or Houdon or Mikhail Maltsev, who are all going to be unrestricted free agents. So there might be a little bit of cycling in some fresh faces and trying to get some new breath and new opportunities for new injury depth for this team and some new depth for the Eagles who are going to be with a new coach and going to maybe get some fresh faces in the lineup. It's going to be a roster turnover for the Eagles, I imagine. So um, it's going to be fun when the AHL, when you have Olausen and Olofsson on the line, that'll be fun. That's going to be, That'll a be very fun. fun. That is going to be very interesting to keep track of between the two of them. Yeah. So we'll have to see, but uh, it's a trade. It happened. Uh, and hopefully there's more moves coming. Yep. And at the end of the day, you lost nothing. You lost future considerations. The only thing you gave up is the energy to type out the word in the trade release. Future considerations. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do a deep dive on that. I'm going to do one after this. Um, but I don't know. Did you see there was a story from the Denver Post that Val Nachushkin's expected back for the start of the regular season? Did you see that? I did see that. I mean, it's been pretty so, reported for the last little while. That's like you can probably expect Val back for next season. Yeah. And may, maybe he'll say exactly what happens. Maybe he won't. I no, think he won't. Yeah, he won't won't say anything. I I think at this point we can rule out like true nefarious acts happening or anything like that. And maybe this is just not our business and we maybe won't know. And maybe we just have to be okay with that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's if we know anything about hockey players and how they handle the media, it's going to be a whole lot of nothing. 
Yeah. Um, it'll just be like a blanket statement, like what happened happened. I'm looking forward to the uh, to the future with this team and what I can do to help this team win another Stanley Cup. Yeah. Did I just did I just fucking nail that? That's exactly what he's going to say. Yeah, that is going to be word for word what happens when we hear from Val Nachushkin again. And if we do ever find out what happened, it's not going to be because Val told us. Yeah, it, it's not. But I did see that and I was like, oh, that's cool. I, that, 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 that's pretty cool. I'll take that. So um, that book will never fully be closed, I imagine. But it's going to be like just barely cracked open, I think, for a long time. Um, but yeah, I saw that and I I, I got a little excited. I'm not going to lie to you. I got a little excited about that. So, um, that's pretty much it for Avs news. I think right now, like anything going on, um, pretty much right now, we're just kind of at a point right now where I feel like we're on the precipice of something really important happening. You start to get a little more removed from the final and the draft is in about what, eight days, nine or eight days from now at this point. And something's going to start happening soon. And then once those floodgates open, it might start to be tough to get them to slow back down again. But we're just right in that weird point of time where the Olafson trade is really the only trade that has happened in the last little bit. But there's still other things happening in the NHL right now. But there's still a little bit of Avs news I'd like to talk about first on the topic of Val potentially coming back. Gabe Landeskog posted some photos and some videos the other day of his recovery and was able to help bring us behind the scenes for what it's been like for him recovering and the certain steps that he has been taking. I mean, as we're recording right now, it's been five or six weeks since the surgery, I believe, the cartilage transplant surgery, which just sounds painful, but yeah. From everything we've seen, I mean, this is not a surprise. I mean, this is going to be a very long and painful process for Gabe Landeskog to recover and hopefully be ready for next, next season. Yeah, I mean, the thing about those pictures for me, like until I see him like skating again, that's when I'll really get my hopes up because what he said in that press conference was that he can walk and run and do all that stuff fine. It's just skating. It was impossible for him. So yeah, these are encouraging and seeing like the abs players commenting on his post gave me a good chuckle. Um, but it's good to see that we're, we're starting that process and in an alternate reality where the abs are in the playoffs and Gabe Landeskog makes his first is playing in game one again. That'd be, that'd be really fucking cool. But um, it was good. It was good to see some signs of life from the captain. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not going to bet against Gabe Landeskog being able to continue his career. And I'm going back to the comments, I loved Nathan McKinnon basically telling everyone to to shut their mouths with doubting Gabe Landeskog being able to come back. I I still fully believe that Gabe Landeskog is not finished and is going to be back on yeah. the ice one day. It's not going to be this season, but now we. the good thing about this is we know that now and we can plan around it and build a team around it for this season at the very least. Yeah, it's betting against Gabe Landeskog is a pretty dumb bet, if you ask me. And this comes from a guy who makes a lot of dumb bets. So I I feel good about it. But until I see him skating, which would you imagine he's probably going to start skating with the team probably maybe April in the earliest? Yeah, I mean, even then, him skating might just be behind closed doors anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think they learned their lesson last time when they uh, when they when he was just skating and everyone got their hopes up and it was like, yeah. nah, this ain't happening. Yeah, I don't. I don't think but, they're going to play with with any of that. 
this season where it's yeah. like Landis Cog's going to be with the team early in practice and whatever. And then you're going to have people speculating like, Oh, will he be, will he be ready for the playoffs? Like all the skating is probably not even going to be at the practice facility. It's going to be behind closed doors in private facilities, that kind of thing. Well, it's just crazy because it's next time you're in Colorado, I'll show you the abs practice facility is literally at just like a normal ice rink. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's literally just like any, any Joe Schmo can walk in there and like just watch the apps. It's really cool. It's really accessible. But when you think about it as a professional sports team, like it's weird that they don't have their own facility. Like I, I know there's rumors that they may be getting their own, but I'm sure the Yavs want to do that just so that they can have the privacy. Because if there's one thing hockey teams value, it's privacy. Yes. And they do not get that at the at the Family Fun Sports Center is what it's called. Yes, sharing as little as possible. This is why the Avalanche are a, a small market team, says. Yeah. Like, it, it's weird. Like, you look at, like, like I think Toronto has a really cool one. Um, that's not surprising. Chicago Chicago has a really cool one. The Kraken have a really fucking cool one. So I think the Avs are going to build one eventually. You'd think with how much uh, how much real estate our guy Stan owns, uh, he would be able to uh, – Work over the money and build something. Would but, Stan uh, even would would Stan even know and or care? Mm, that's tough. Like Stan, like for him, probably like a hundred million dollars going out of his bank account is like a dollar. Yeah, it would. He wouldn't for us. notice. Yeah, he wouldn't even notice. So it's like, yeah, like maybe you, that's what he needs to do. You have an you have an intern keeping track of that transaction, basically. Yeah, like it'd be something like that, but. uh yeah, the the abs need to get their own little practice facility so that they don't have to share it with uh fucking the little tinks of yeah. So they'll build their own eventually, but it just cracks me up. So I, I do think the abs it, we may see Gabe Landeskog on the ice, I think like April may even be early. Like yeah, w- maybe I, even I, May. If he's not coming back at all next season, I imagine the first time we see him on the ice, which is different than him actually being on the ice, we'll see him probably next offseason. You think he misses the whole, like, you don't think there's even a chance of him playing in the playoffs? I'm not going to get my hopes up. They said he's not going yeah. to play next season, so I am not going to just be like, oh, so playoffs then is just naturally when he's going to come back. So I'm, yeah. so I'm I, not, I, not going to let my brain go there at all. Fair. That's fair. I, I just have like, I, I think best case scenario all the time. And I, I just want Gabe Landeskog back and back in my life um, because I miss him. Um, so maybe, maybe he gets there, but we'll have to, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. This is where we at in the off season right now, just kind of waiting for everything to to come down right now. We're talking about the, the avalanches practice facility right now. This is, yeah. this is great content right now, but this is hard hitting stuff, right? This now. is real hard hitting stuff. But I mean, if you're a fan of the Vancouver Canucks, you definitely had some stuff go down for you the other day. Oliver Ekman Larson bought out by the Vancouver Canucks in what I believe is one of the most expensive buyouts in like the salary cap era. And he's going to be on their books for eight more seasons. And this year they're saving, I think like 8 million bucks on the cap. But at the end of the day, the Canucks basically had no choice. They, they could not ice OEL anymore. No, they couldn't. And that is going to go down as one of the, uh, 
worst trades of all time, potentially? Yeah, and honestly, I don't think it's close either. For those of you who don't remember the trade, it, the Vancouver Canucks acquire Oliver ekman Larson and Connor Garland at 12% retained from the Arizona Coyotes for Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, Louis Erickson, the ninth overall pick in 2021, a 2022 second-round pick, which was the 47th overall pick, and a 2023 seventh-round pick, which is the 203rd pick in this year's draft. Now, Roussel, Beagle, and Erickson were all Albatross contracts, but they only had one year left at the deal at that time. And Oliver ekman Larson, I believe, had, what, seven at eight million dollars, something like that. He had just signed a big contract he with. Had, uh, he had just signed a big contract with Coyotes. Yeah, he had just signed that massive contract. So, yeah, Roussel, Beagle, and Erickson were albatross contracts. There's no mistake about that. But they were one year away from those guys just being off the books forever and not having to deal with it anymore. And then not only that, you put Connor Garland into this trade, who was seeming to be like a big pickup for the Canucks because he'd been very good in Arizona and much to Nathan McKinnon's dismay. (laughs) Then they give up the ninth overall pick and a second round pick in next year's draft. And it's just, it's, it's awful. I I cannot even imagine that ninth overall pick turned into. It turned into uh, Dylan Gunther for the coyotes, who is pretty decent. He played 33 games this year, scored 15 points and has been a very solid player at the the junior level and we'll see what he ends up turning into but that is a an unbelievable victory for the Arizona Coyotes in this yeah. trade to not only have gotten off of Oliver Ekman Larson's contract one year in when he said he would only go to Vancouver but they also get the ninth overall pick out of it just by sending Connor Garland their way yeah it, it it's a lopsided and isn't Garland is he an RFA or is he a UFA this year Oh, he has so many years left on that contract, but he is in so oh, many. Oh, he does. That's right. He yeah. signed that big one. I forgot about that. Well, that. well, that's the thing. He's in so many trade rumors. You would think he's basically a UFA. Yeah. I forgot he had signed that contract with them, and he, he's a solid player. Yeah, uh, solid. But yeah, the Ekman Larson, it, it's just crazy how fast a defenseman can fall, fall off. Because OEL was probably, what, a solid top 10 defenseman in the league five years ago? Yeah, I mean, there was a time before he signed that contract. I mean, I remember the conversations going into the final year of his first deal, which was 5.5 with the Coyotes that like, you know, like losing this guy for Arizona and UFA would be one of the biggest failures in in franchise history. This guy is, he was talked about in the same conversation as Eric Carlson because their contracts were expiring pretty much around the same time. And he signs that deal or pretty much the year before he signed the deal. He'd kind of fallen off a cliff and then he signs the deal and just was not at all what he used to be in Arizona. And then in Vancouver, just borderline unplayable. There's no other way to really describe it. It's one of the fastest falls I have seen for a defenseman guys who generally do fall off pretty quickly, but for OEL, it was instant. He got the money and was terrible and then goes to Vancouver and was somehow even worse. I imagine being bought out is probably one of the best, like, like you get paid to do nothing and that's just, I'm lazy that way. They paid him $19.5 million to fuck off. 
he like the double-edged sword that is where that feels insulting but also if anyone listening to this hates me enough that they want to give me 19 and a half million dollars to shut up forever i would take it in a heartbeat i don't care oh i'd take i'd take it for a million yeah 19 and a half are you I'd take a million i would love that yeah i would i would love life um so yeah to get paid 19 and a half million dollars to just go away you can live with that so yeah he was terrible um I still think I just love how now that he's a free agent, everyone's like, well, maybe we can fix him. Yeah, I love it. It's like, we can do this. We can solve him. And honestly, million dollars, I can see the appeal for some teams, but I don't like, because there was something there with OEL. It's just hard to imagine. It's all gone. You know what? You know what's going to happen? He's going to Tampa. And he's going to they're going to sign him for $900,000, turn him into a serviceable third-pair defenseman, and they're going to go win a cup. Well, I mean, that's what they did with Kevin Shattenkirk, like, what, four years ago? Yeah. Well, I mean, Shattenkirk. And then Shattenkirk was able to... Yeah, because he got bought out by the Rangers, right? Yeah, he got bought out by the Rangers. He goes to Tampa, revitalizes, and wins a cup, and then gets a bag from Anaheim, and is just never useful again. Yep. It's it's a great like that's a win win for the player and the team like the lightning got a Stanley Cup and Kevin Chattenkirk gets paid four million dollars a year to go back to the old Kevin Chattenkirk. Pretty much, it's exactly so, what it's to do. I could see him in Tampa. I could see him in for some reason Boston kind of makes sense for him. I mean that was the other Boston. Out, I mean when the trade rumors were first happening, it I believe it was Vancouver or Boston for him was the only places he would accept trades to. So I could definitely see that. Yeah. Like I, I could see that. I'm trying to think of another place. I mean, mm. it, we also do have to be fair that the two places he's played in is Arizona and Vancouver, not really known for being the best teams with the best systems. He might've just had the love of the game slowly beaten out of him over the course. That's of That's true. But when you are as unplayable as Ekman Larson has been over the last couple of years, you it's really a stretch to give him that benefit of the doubt. Right. I completely agree with that. So it's it's a lot of money that the Canucks are going to pay him to not play on their team, but it does free up $8 million. And for a team as bad as the Canucks to be in as bad a cap hell as they are is kind of depressing when you look at it uh, like they're they're freeing up eight million dollars and that barely gets them compliant that now they have six million dollars to work with this offseason for as much of as a goddamn mess as the vancouver canucks are right now that is horrible they have six million dollars to to fix this team and granted they don't have a lot of guys to sign right now i mean they've got ethan bear who's an rfa but is also going to miss six months due to massive shoulder surgery they have Vitaly Kraftsov, who they just got from the Rangers and probably not going to demand anything. Kyle Burrows, Colin Delia. They have most of their team locked up, so it's not like they're in true cap hell. But with $6 million, they can't really do anything that's going to make this team. You can't improve a team that was, yeah, a team that was significantly out of the playoff race. Right. Like just aggressively mediocre. I think that is the best way to describe the Canucks last season and the Canucks generally in their existence as a whole, just aggressively. Okay. Yeah. Because what pick do they have in the draft? Like the 12th or the, no, they have the eighth or ninth, right? Well, the th- like they went, they went on like a genuine run at the end of the season and like yeah. went, put themselves 
thoroughly out of the Bedard conversation where they were like fifth or sixth for most of the season. And then I think they were the last team in the Bedard sweepstakes, which I believe is 12th or 11th overall. Yeah. I did you, I don't know if there's any truth to it, but it was uh, like the winning combination for Chicago was like one number away from going to Vancouver. Oh and yeah. That's I just mean, the, the, most the way, the way the, thing ever happened. the way the lottery balls work is like the final number. I believe there were still like eight teams still in play. Like, like Nashville had one of them too. Like they would have moved up 10 spots. I think the caps had like two of them or something where if it was like 10 or 12, they would have gotten Bedard. But I think the Canucks had like a couple. Yeah, that's just got it. Like, I don't want to hear that shit. I want to hear that we were like the first one out because like as a Vancouver Canucks fan, I imagine your life has been pretty fucking miserable. And like you're that close to getting a generational superstar. And of not course, just not just generational. Bedard is a Vancouver native. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a native son that grew up in your backyard and you screwed yourself by being too good at being bad. Yeah. It's what it's literally what so, they do. They have a terrible season. They fire their coach. They bring in a new one. They're okay enough down the stretch to screw them out of a good draft pick. And then there's hope that like, well, the, the coach was really good down the stretch. Maybe this one will be different. And then he's fired half a season in. Yeah. I mean, I do think that they're gonna move Thatcher Demko this offseason. This offseason, you think? Yeah. I think he gets moved here pretty soon because they're gonna try and free up some more cap space. I mean, I, th- I think Brock Besser is definitely going somewhere. I mean, 6.6, there's just like, what can you do with that? And Connor Garland at 4.9 for three more seasons. I think they could get something for those two. Besser probably is a, a hockey trade-ish where you're going to have to give similar salary in order to make right. it work because that's a lot of money. And I don't think the Canucks are going to be too privy to retain salary. Garland, I think you can straight up move. I, I think they give Demko another year. He was injured all last year. I think they just want to see what they can get out of him. And also, I think they'd be selling low right now on him. Because That's true. They would be selling low. But like, if you're truly going to go into a rebuild, you can't have a goalie who, at his best, has proven he can be a top 10 goalie in the league. Like, You can't have that because he's going to screw up your entire plan. Right, but it's the Canucks. They love that. That's true. They do just love being progressively mediocre. I mean, if... Um, for Demko at $5 million for three seasons, including this next one, I mean, you could get a hell of a return, but it's also you can just have him and just yeah, have him. That's have true. Him. And, and also, and if, you're not in a hurry. Yeah. And if UC Soros is truly available next year, like that, that would be the time to just because the team that misses on, on him would take that your Demko. Or you could look at it as. If you have two elite goalies on the market, then you don't have the market cornered, and then you're not going to get the best return anyway. And if Connor Hellebuck's available this year, maybe you're better off true. two years for Demko to be available. That's true. But, yeah, the Canucks need to do a lot of stuff. Our boss, Dylan, um, is a Canucks guy, and I don't know how he does it. I don't, know how, I don't know how any Canucks fan does this, to be completely yeah. honest with you. I don't know how people tolerate this. This is unbelievable how this team gets run year over year yeah so i'll have to send you there's this guy that pops up pops up on my uh tiktok feed and it's just a vancouver guy and he just always seems so sad and i feel bad for him like he's just wearing a canucks jersey he's like today in canucks news we suck 
And that's just the truth of it. So I'll send it to you next time he pops up on my feed. One of my one of my favorite quotes of all time is from the hockey guy who is a, a Canucks fan who has just thoroughly accepted that like he will never see a Stanley Cup from this team, and it has made his life so much better. It's like, yeah, I, before, that's a- I, before I die, I will not see the Canucks win a Stanley Cup, and I have accepted that, and I am much happier because of it. Well, and then if they do ever do win one, you are like that's going to be the best day of your life because yeah. you've already accepted the fact that they aren't going to win. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Like that's just like me as a Rockies fan. I've accepted the Rockies will never be good, so they can't disappoint me if I've accepted they've never they're never going to be good. Yeah, and honestly, for me, I don't have this problem because I've already seen all of my teams win, so I am. Yeah, it must fine. be it must be fucking nice, man. Oh, it is fucking yeah, it awesome, nice. dude. I mean, I guess the Orioles yeah. haven't won in my lifetime, but yeah, yeah, I'll live. Yeah, they'll get there eventually. Good. I'll live. Um, but the the other funny part about that buyout for OEL is that the coyotes do still have to pay him that 12 percent, so that takes up a contract (laughs) spot for them which for the coyotes is like the worst case scenario that they can't pay someone to not play on their team yeah so for those of you who don't know when you retain salary in a trade you can only do that three times and so for the coyotes now one of their three spots is going to be taken up for the next eight years because they are retaining 12% of Oliver Ekman Larson, which carries over into the buyout, which I honestly, I don't remember ever seeing before. I think that might be a first, especially for a contract that big. But for this season alone, their cap hit for OEL is $20,000, which might as well not even exist. Yeah. No, oh, it doesn't exist for them. But yeah. it is just funny that they can't get like a Marion Hosa again. Yeah. And just pay him not to. Like, how cool is that for those guys? The Shea Webers and the Mary. Oh, no, those, those those are and... different. We're we're talking about like they can't do the retaining like they did for the Patrick Kane stuff. Like they have their yeah. No, no, no. I know, those... but like, just how cool is it that like for those Shea Webers and Marion Hosas that they just like all of a sudden their paychecks start coming from Phoenix. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like they're still getting all that money, and they will never step foot. In the state of Arizona ever. You can build a really good team off of the players that have just oh, yeah. paid random bits of money by the Arizona Coyotes. I mean, right now they got Jacob Voracek. They got Shea Weber. I forgot Brian Little was on their list now too. They paid Pavel Datsuk for a long time. Marion Hosa. Like you could build a legitimate good hockey team out of players that have just been dead cap hits on the Arizona Coyotes. Those checks got to be the best checks to ever receive. You're just, just like you're chilling. Once, yeah, because do they do they get paid in one lump sum or do they get like like how does that work? It's probably because that's probably, just it probably is just their their contracts. I mean, let's look at Shea Weber right now. He has a base salary of a million dollars this coming season. So I imagine it'd be like just getting your normal paychecks like you would after a game. They just send you money. That's badass, man. Yeah, that would be so fucking cool. Can you imagine just like rolling over in bed one day? You look, I was like, huh, that's another uh, $30,000. Sweet. And you go back to bed. Yeah. I got paid $30,000 to sleep. Let's fucking go. Like, that's just got to be the best gig of all time. Oh, my God. Um, like, oh, I'm, I envy that so much. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of sucks for the Coyotes. They, th- they thought they were out of it, but uh, they do have to pay $20,000, which is just. I mean, I imagine they considered that as a possibility when they made yeah. the deal. But when when you have such a lopsided trade that way, I mean, they still have two slots. And also the Coyotes don't love retaining money anyway. 
mean, that's right. one of the things we talked about with Chikrit and now we're talking about with Schmaltz that they don't they don't love doing that anyway. And if they're doing it, they're doing it for guys who are upcoming UFAs. So it, it's not that big of a deal for them. No, not that big of a deal, but it is just uh, it is kind of funny. So, yeah, I, I don't think there'll be any more buyouts just because it is like it's it's one of those things you have to do as a last case scenario. There's not many teams willing to buy out a lot of players because it fucks you up long term, i.e. look at what the Minnesota Wild are going through right now. Right. Like it fucks you up when you go through that type of stuff. Like, yeah, it saves you in the moment, but it's it's one of those things. It's it's a last case scenario type of thing to do. Yeah, you do, you really don't want to be dealing with those what like Minnesota fourteen million dollars in dead cap, like just generally not the best thing to be dealing with. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a five dollar bet and score two hundred dollars in bonus bets instantly. Again. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpline.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash show notes for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and re- deposit restrictions apply. Terms at DraftKingsSportsBook.com slash hockey terms. Now, back to the episode. Yeah. Sucks for the Canucks, like most things they do. But one of the big things coming up for the NHL recently, like we mentioned earlier, is the draft. And I'm very interested in especially the early parts of this draft, especially because it kind of seems like Adam Fantilli is starting to be underrated because now people are questioning whether or not he's even going to go number two anymore. And if Leo Carlson's going to go number three or at number two instead, which... Limited as my knowledge is on prospects, I will admit, I got to be honest, I do not understand where this is coming from. I get Leo Carlson had a very solid world championships, but I think this is where the most mistakes come with the draft. The most recent tournament that a player played in before the draft, they did really well or really bad in, and everyone updates their list immediately and throws out everything they've seen from this player for the last two years. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to overthink this. Adam Fantilli should be the number two pick. He'd be the number one pick in the probably the previous two or three drafts if he was in those drafts. It just so happens that Connor Bedard is in this draft. Uh, Adam Fantilli is a great two-way forward, went to a great university, the University of Michigan, um, won the Hobie Baker. Like He's ready to play in the NHL right now, and he, I, I get it why they don't want him in Anaheim because that's too many centers, but in my opinion, you you can never have too many centers. Like centers are gold in the NHL today, especially a good two way forward like Adam Fantilli. Um, I don't get where these rumors are coming from because if he falls to like number three, who has the three pick? Columbus. Columbus. Oh, if Columbus got Adam Fantilli, they would be doing 
somersaults because yeah. that's their center for Johnny Goudreau and Patrick Laine right there. Well, also the thing is, is like the, the center conversation. Okay. Well, you don't take Fantilli. You take Leo Carlson who is a center. So yeah. you're just, I mean, I think Leo Carlson's going to be phenomenal, but Adam Fantilli, like you said, would be a number one pick most years. And you, you take that guy because he's going to be probably a borderline franchise cornerstone. It's just only because Connor right. Bernard's here at the top and he not, you know where this conversation comes from? People are bored because there's no debate at number one. It's Connor Bedard and it's not going to be anybody else. So now we need to have the conversation about, oh, well, who could go at number two then? It is Fantilli. Fantilli is the it's what makes this draft so amazing is that you have at number two a player like Adam Fantilli who could be another franchise cornerstone. And then you have Leo Carlson, who's probably one of the most complete players of the draft in terms of two-way play. And then you throw another Matvey Michkov in there. But then now that Michkov has fallen out of that conversation for reasons, people need to talk about something leading into the draft. Yeah, I mean, it it's going to be it, – just don't overthink it, Anaheim. T- take Fantilli and you'll be fine. Like, just don't overthink it. And as a Michigan hockey fan, I would love to see Fantilli come back for one more year, but that dude's NHL ready. He was NHL ready last year. Like he, he, he's a plug and play guy. He'll probably get 55 to 60 points in his first year and you'll be golden. And correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Zegris a winger when he first came into the league? That's that's I want to say he was. That's pushing my memory, but I don't remember him being a winger. I mean, I remember they demoted him to the AHL to teach him how to play center. You're you're pushing. you're pushing my ducks knowledge right now. Yeah, no, I don't have much Ducks knowledge either. But yeah, they they should not overthink this. Just take Adam Fantilli and go from there. Yeah, I mean, the guy has such unbelievable talent. I mean, he's everything you could possibly want in a center prospect. He's huge. He has phenomenal puck skills. His shot is unbelievable. He's a great two-way player. It's like there's, I just think this conversation comes from people being bored. Like, I really think there's just not a lot of interesting conversations at one because there isn't one. It's Connor Bedard. He's going to Chicago. And for the Ducks, if if it's not Fantilli, then Verbeek has totally fucked this thing up and probably Absolutely. is probably needs to uh, find another job. Because if he falls to three, Columbus would do a backflip at the draft table. Yeah, yeah they would. They, they, they would. They would love their life. So don't overthink it. Like, I... I think that's coming from two because like last year, Shane Wright fell all the way to four. So people are like, there's going to be a faller, but in the NHL, there's really not that many fallers in the draft of like the solid top five picks. You know what I mean? I mean, mean, in the NHL there, the draft is just so different than other leagues, especially the NFL where it's like, these kids are 18. Like there's so much that they still have to do to grow physically and mentally. Like we don't have a lot of answers on a lot of these guys. I think that's why you see a lot more busts at the NHL level because you're trying to determine the next 20 years of this player's life based on how they played when they're 16, 17 years old before they're even right. high school graduates, if they're even going to high school at all. Yeah, it's, it is different. It's a lot like the MLB uh, where it's like you're drafting someone and they probably won't play for your team for like three or four years. Right. I get MLB is a little bit more dramatic, but it, it's just such a different draft and I just, yeah, we could be totally wrong. More than like we are wrong. Like maybe these professional scouts know something that we don't. But to me, it, you don't overthink it here. You take, you take Adam Fantilli. 
yeah, I don't think there's really much of a debate. But I, I bring up the draft because we did get a mailbag question that I thought was interesting. We were going to have this when we were doing our mailbag thing later, but I'd want to talk about this now. And that's what are the Avalanche going to do with the 27th overall pick? Like, because they could trade it, they could use it, or they could trade back with it and then get more draft picks. So assuming that they go to draft day and have not traded that pick, do you think it would be better to keep that pick and just pick it 27th overall? Or maybe trade back a couple of spots, maybe trade into the second round and acquire another pick or two, maybe, and get more players into your system instead of just putting it all into one guy? I think it depends on how the board shakes out. Like the the abs definitely probably have players that they have their eyes on. And if they fall to 27, they're going to take them. But if you're looking at it, the abs cupboard is very bare right now. Very, very bare with draft picks, with prospects. If you can add more to that cupboard so that you can trade more in the future, I think you do that. But it's that double-edged sword because like, what if that player you had your eyes on falls to you? Like you just never know. Right. Especially once you start to get into the late first round. I mean, there's a lot of study that says the difference between the 27th overall pick and maybe even the 40 to 50th overall pick is generally not that much when you really start to break down how a lot of these careers go. So, I mean, I look at a team like Detroit who has the 41st, 42nd, and 43rd pick. If they want to trade back up into the first round, they have a lot of capital to do that. So let's say they offer you the 41st overall pick and their third round pick after that. Do you take that, trade back into the second round, but then have another third round pick on top of that? Maybe you get lesser caliber players, but also restock your cupboard a little more, if that makes sense. Yeah, that that's kind of my thought process with it because we don't have a second round pick. We don't have a third round pick. We don't have a fourth round pick, if I'm right. We don't have and anything until the maybe, fifth. Yeah, like you need more in your cupboard. So if a team offers you something that's like, hey, we'll give you two seconds and a third, which is probably too rich for a first 27th overall pick. That's not going to happen, but yeah. Yeah, if you can get something like that, then hell yeah, you take it. But I just... I need to get my draft on too and figure out what players are going to fall to the abs um, because that's really going to decide um, who or what's going to happen with this. Yeah. I mean, if there's one thing you can generally point at and say maybe the avalanche aren't as great as this, it generally is their drafting. Sometimes their drafts have been okay over the last little while. When you take away some of their top five picks from recent memory when you don't include, you know, McKinnon, McCarr and Byram and Landeskog in these conversations. Generally, some of their drafting hasn't been extraordinary. Maybe Kovalenko comes in this season towards the end and can change that conversation. But generally, Olausen might be something someday. I mean, they weren't big hits on Tyson Jost or Martin Kaut. Alex Newhook has been good so far. I think even still, that might be one of their better picks of recent memory. Is it better to pin it all on one player late in the first round or see if you can maybe squeeze a few more lottery tickets out of it? I really don't have a problem with it either way. I think I would still be kind of surprised to see we have this draft pick at all going into draft day, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm looking at some mock drafts right now. Uh, right now, they have the abs taking Charlie Strammel, a center from Wisconsin. He's huge. He's 6'3", 212. 
but he only had 12 points in 33 games. Yeah, I mean, I would uh, actually I'd be a big fan of, of Charlie Strammel if he came to us. I mean, from what I've seen from Strammel, he's a huge guy at 6'3, 212, like you're saying, but also as a guy who tries super hard. I mean, you can never have enough quality centers, but if there was a guy like if it's a, if like I've seen tales like Braden Yeager may fall in the draft a little bit. If he was able to fall to the abs, you take that guy, no hesitation. Yeah. And then the other one I saw was David Erdstrom. See, I've uh, seen a lot of but... Axel Sandin Palika, who's a defenseman from Sweden. If he was able to follow those, my favorite name in the draft is Oliver Bonk. So just for, awesome. name, just for namesake alone, I'd be very happy with him. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that one too. Um, but we'll, we'll do more of that deep dive when we get into it. Right now, I'm of the opinion that you either trade that first round pick for a player that can help your team now, or you trade it for assets for the future. I just, and by future, I mean trade deadline or well, not trade deadline because it's in this draft, but I don't know. I just have a hard, it's that question of, is it, is it quality versus quantity? Right. Cause if you graft a quality player that can make up for two quantity players, like that, that's really going to be what the abs have to do. I just have a hard time looking at what this team needs to do this off season and the lack of assets that they really have. I have a hard time seeing them make that big move that maybe we're expecting they make and not include this pick in it. Right. Like the, the, the pick is the most, like that's the best asset we have is the first round pick. Right. It's like, it's the 27th overall pick. I mean, it's not a high first round pick, but it's still very valuable to a lot of teams. And also we can tie this into our next mailbag question from Eric asking about Igor Sharon Govich, who is rumored to be on the trade block with the Devils, and there's been a couple of things written about whether or not he can be an Avs trade target based on their history of trading for guys like Burakovsky in the past. What if you take that 27th overall pick, you throw it at New Jersey, and then you get Igor Sharangovich in here? Eh. I, it doesn't really move the needle for We don't need another defenseman. Like, no, well, he's, not a defense, he's a winger. Oh, God, I'm thinking of the other one, Siegenthaler. <laughs> Oh, I'd take oh, I love Seekin Dollar. I'd take Seekin Dollar. I know. I'm sorry. It's been it, – my brain's in off-season mode too. Um, eh, I'm still kind of A on it. Like, I, I don't know. Like, can't believe I got those two mixed up. Jeez Louise. But uh, what are your thoughts on it? Because I – would you trade a first-round pick for him? The 27th overall pick I think is – I just that, yeah, I think that's a pretty fair price for a player who's – 25 years old and I think still has a lot to give at the NHL level and has shown pretty decent talent his first three years in the NHL his second year 24 goals this year only 13 and only 30 points but I think similar to the Burakovsky conversation maybe you can bring this guy in on as a winger maybe you don't maybe you don't re-sign Evan Rodriguez and you sign this guy to maybe a two and a half, $3 million deal for two to three years as a cheaper option and bank on maybe some of that skill coming in. And also I think Igor Sharandovich is a guy that would work in the abs system because he is, he has a lot of talent as a two way forward and has worked very well on the devil's uh, special teams in the past. Just one of the, th- one of the points that I thought about this was very interesting is that once the devil signed Andre Palat, last offseason and then they get Timo Meyer, it made Sharon Govich less useful 
on the team and really started to, to push him down in the lineup. I think 27th, like you're, you're definitely taking a risk, but let's think about it. You, you, you use the 27th overall pick and you draft a guy who maybe one day could be your Sharon Dovich for you and, or you trade it and you just get Sharon Dovich now. Yeah. I mean, you're talking me into it, but I just feel like there's bigger names you could get with that first round pick. I agree. I think you're spending that first round pick on the hope that you're getting someone who yeah. might be worth that pick more, but for someone who's still young and is a RFA under team control, I can see it working. It's not my first choice, but I could see the fit there. I could see it, but I, I just have my sights set on other players with that pick. If we're going to, if we're going to trade it. Yeah. I mean, you, so, you look at his point drop off. I mean, you dig deeper into his analytics. His expected goals went up this season, suggesting he was playing better, but his shooting percentage went down. So you can maybe consider he just had some bad luck last offseason, and then you bring him into the Avalanche's system where you generally see a lot of players thrive, and all of a sudden you're talking about you just have another 20-25 goal scorer on your wings. I could live with that, but it's just, I don't know. I just have my sight set on a guy like Nick Schmaltz. Yeah. So <laughs> That's thing, really where I'm at. Like the thing about the Burakovsky trade is like that was a second and a third. What do we not have anymore? We don't have a second or a third anymore. The only thing we could really trade for Sharon Govich is that first round pick. Because if you're not, then you're talking about trading prospects. Like it's foodie for Sharon going like now you're going down a rabbit hole. The first round pick just seems like the solution. You trade him 27th overall. Maybe you get Sharon Govich and maybe even like another pick included somewhere along the way in there. Maybe that's part of a bigger package deal or something like that. But I could see the fit with Sharon Govich in, in Colorado, maybe because I'm biased because the Berkey deal worked out so well. And that just so happened to be for one of my favorite players. But I think for a guy who's younger like that, I think it could be worth the risk. I like what I've seen from him in New Jersey, especially not just because he has talent offensively, but because he has worked in a lot of their special teams and on the penalty kill in the past. And that's a guy that Avs have liked in the past before. Guys who can play on all true. sides of the ice. True. That is true. I still just can't get over the fact that I uh, I got those two players mixed up. Uh, um, but that's just life right now. That's yeah. just where I'm at mentally. So, yeah, it, it's going to be fun. Like, Jonas Siegenthaler would be would be cool to have, too. Oh, I love, um, I love Siegenthaler. Yeah, that, that would be cool. I totally misread all of those things. I was like, why are they trying to trade a defenseman? I get Luke Hughes is coming in, but <laughs> just, oh, man, what a day. But, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. if the I feel like that's just a little too rich. Like, it, there'd have to be more coming on our end if we're going to make that trade. Yeah, I can totally see that. I mean, the Devils, I don't think it would be much if we're trading a first for, for Sharon Dovich, but like maybe you get another late draft pick thrown in there or something like that. There's no salary to be retained because he's an RFA, but it's a pretty straightforward, maybe not super creative trade, 27th overall for Sharon Dovich, and you're hoping that he can take the next step and really turn into a top six winger. Yeah, he was a first round pick, wasn't he? I don't think so. I think he was a later pick and then just kind of blossomed. He was a fifth round pick in 2018. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. But yeah, that was a good mailbag. I wish I would have uh, 
uh, knowing who the player was, but uh, it's all we'll go from there. It's it's off. <laughs> this this whole this whole episode has just been we're kind of making things up on the fly anyway. I promise yeah, for next true. one, like we're gonna do research on the draft and stuff, and really start to break down the twenty seventh overall, and really start to get into some more draft stuff. Assuming, of course, that other things haven't happened yet, I still think we're just sitting right on that line right now of things are about to happen in the NHL. Some trades are about to break, especially as we get close to the draft being about a week away. But this is like the weird time where you had the parade yesterday for the Golden Knights and just everyone's kind of quiet right now. Yeah, Everyone's just chilling. So hopefully there's some more news to come out of it. But yeah, did we have any other mailbags or was that it? Uh, We just had the two mailbags about the whether we should trade back and then about Sharon Govich. So, I mean, okay. yeah, I mean, this this is kind of a tough one to do because there's just not a lot happening. The Olofsson trades, something. It's a trade, but it was something. Only, it was only, something. Only one side got anything in the trade. Yeah. And then talk about like, oh, we traded a seventh. What are we going to do without that draft pick now? Like future considerations. I love it. It's nothing. <laughs> it's absolutely just, nothing. It's we, just, we lie and say future considerations. That doesn't mean anything means jack shit but there was something i did want to talk about too um it's something that hasn't happened for a while on the abs front at least for two or three years how nice is it to go into an off season and not have to worry about goaltending it's so nice especially since georgiev was so good this year and because the goalie market this year is so bad where it's like freddie anderson is the big guy on the market right now for goalies. I mean, who, who even is like the big goalie UFA right now? I might sound really stupid once we figure this out, but like, who is it? Uh, well, I mean, the biggest goal, I mean, it's, it's probably the one who had the best season is Gustafson, but he's an RFA. Right. He's an RFA and so, he's going to get paid by Minnesota. And I mean, is it, is it Varlamov? I mean, flip a coin between Varlamov and Freddie Anderson. Yeah, pretty much. Barlow, so, Freddie Anderson, Corpusalo. He's going to go back to the Kings. You think so? I mean, there's been a lot yeah. of conversations around the Kings lately. Apparently, Jonathan Quick wants to come back. Fuck yeah. Dude, I, I mean, he's got three cups, man. Why not go for the fourth? I mean, it, I mean, it's again the conversation like, dude, just go out on top. You won a cup. Yeah. You didn't even have to do anything for it. You played 10 games with the Golden Knights in the regular season. Got to stick it to your old team. Just, you know what? You got your third cup. Just get out of here, you know? Yeah. No, he's going to come back. He's an American legend. Yeah, he's going to come back. He's going to be good. Uh, I'm really trying to think of, like, who it would be. I mean, Swayman's an RFA. Samsonov's an RFA. Oh, Aiden Hill. That's the big one. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a big name that's going to move the needle. Yeah, Um, not the best one, obviously, but potentially the funniest one. Yes. So... I mean, it, just from the abs perspective, just to have Georgiev for two more seasons locked up at a very reasonable cap hit, it, it's just the best, man. Like, like it, it's nice just to have worry about something other than goaltending for once in an offseason. There's, there's no price you can put on having security at goalie, especially for a guy like Georgiev, who we could be reasonably worried about going into last season. Whereas like he hasn't really been an NHL starter before. He's been like a fringe guy usually. For him to be as good as he was this season, and you have him for two more years at 3.4. I mean, 
really one of the best moves of the last offseason. And it was risky. It was a ballsy move to give him a three-year contract at 3.4, but it's worked out big time. And it is so nice to not have to worry about goaltending because it is such a volatile position. The only thing we have to worry about is, is Frankie going to be okay to make it through a whole season? Yeah, that's that, kind of, that's, that's kind of like the one thing you have to worry about. That's kind of the question that's been flying under the radar a little bit. It's like, is Frankie number two for next year? Or is that the plan? Because it kind of seems like it, but guy's been hurt a lot. Yeah, like th- that's the big question the Avs have going into this offseason. And it's not like Frankie's eating up a big amount of the cap. I think he's only making, what, like two? I think yeah. it's two million. Two million. So it's it's going to be interesting, but having Georgiev after the season he had, uh, it was he was phenomenal. But also, I would love for him not to have to play. What did he play? Sixty four games this year. Yeah, he played sixty two games last year. So only yeah. twenty games last year were not played by Georgiev, and even still, right? Like I nine nineteen in the regular season and a nine fourteen still in the playoffs. And I know people look at some of the goals Georgiev gave up and point to him not being the best. He was sat thoroughly in the middle of goaltending in the playoffs this year from start to finish. You look at Georgiev and you say that he was good. You consider the team that was in front of him, which was Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, not much else. And you can, you really can't pin any of that on Georgiev. No, no, you can't. And I would love for next season for Georgiev to be maybe around 55 50. games. Yeah, 50, 55 games would be a lot yeah. more comfortable. Yeah, I, I would love for that. But uh, he outdid every expectation that I had for him within the first month yeah. of being here. Just remarkably so, consistent. Yeah, like, he gave us a chance to win every single night. I think he only got pulled, what, like two or three times maybe? I'm pretty sure he had more shutouts than being pulled. Yeah, like he was he was consistent every night. Hopefully it can continue going into next year. But God damn, it feels good not to have to sweat out what who's the revolving door of goalies that we have as Avs fans. Yep. Um, and Instead, so we have to worry um, about the revolving door of second line center. Took the words right out of my mouth. Ever since, <laughs> ever since we had Nazem Kadri, we didn't have to worry about 2C. We had to worry about goalie. Now we got a goalie. Now we got to worry about two C. It's the joys of the salary cap world. Yeah, it, it is just truly the joys. Um, but I I feel good going into next year with the goaltending situation. And I really do believe this, man. I think we're going to get a really pissed off Avs team next year because everyone's going to think they're just one hit wonders. And I really think that they are going to put on a show next year. I really do. I'm totally on board with you. Assuming that they make the right moves in the offseason, even if they don't, you're still getting Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr absolutely pissed the fuck off. That alone is going to drag them to the playoffs, and then we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, like it's it's going to be a revenge tour of revenge tours for the Avs next year. Like I cannot wait for it. Uh, I think they're going to be very, very good, and I – this is like my crazy hot take for the year. I think McKinnon wins his first MVP this year. I, I think he goes it. off this year for like 130 points. I can totally see that. I mean, he finally broke the 100-point moniker last year. If he plays all 82 games, it, he's bound to have a season like that where he just absolutely lights it up. He had 111 in 71 games last year. I love how we talk about like McKinnon, like, oh, he was hurt last year. He missed 11 games. 
and he would still it felt like 20. Yeah. But he crushed a hundred points. He still finished with a hundred and eleven. Like 120 is on the table. Absolutely. And if he goes even harder, 130. Like I don't I wouldn't be surprised, not if he beats McDavid, but if like we're in February, March, and he's like close enough to make it interesting. That's what I'm saying, man. I, I just really think we're gonna get the revenge tour from Nathan McKinnon next year. And I, I think he gets his first MVP, and I think the abs just go the fuck off. Like it, it's this team's getting a full off season to rest and heal, like and get new new talent on the team. This team's gonna be out for blood next year. Yeah, I I am so excited for next year, even before we've seen what this team is really going to be as of yet. Just I feel like they're getting a, a facelift that they really needed for all of last season, just missing so many pieces and so many questions and all the pressure of being a defending champ. All that's done. Now they can rest. October, like we October is usually kind of slow for them. I don't know if it's going to be this time. Oh, they're going to come out hot. Yeah. They're going to come out hot, dude. Like this team's going to kick some ass next year. And I can't wait to see it because it's just going to be lovely. And I am so excited for it. And I got to stop talking about it because we are probably a little less than four months away from it now. And I'm just going to be salivating all summer. We'll be we'll be playing hockey four months from now. It's usually around the thirteenth is when they kick it off. So I mean, four months. I'm saying a little less, a little less than four months. Yeah, a little less, little less than four months. I mean, talking preseason, we're talking maybe a little more than three months right now. Yeah, that'll be so. Like, I'm I'm just glad. I I can't wait for it, man. We're not even what like five days removed from the hockey season being over, and it's like okay, I'm ready for the next season to start. I feel like everyone is just like yeah, Vegas won, and they're just like completely ignoring them now. Oh yeah. Like no, no offense to the Golden Knights, they deserve to win, but I just feel like nobody cares. Yeah, that parade, like I honestly totally forgot it was happening. Yeah, I mean, and I saw pictures of it. I'm like, oh, cool. I mean, William Carlson was hilariously drunk, which was very funny. Did you see his speech? Oh yeah, I did. Like the thing with it is, it's like, all right, you're gonna ask these guys who live in Vegas, the party capital of the world, to not get belligerently drunk before a 7 p.m. parade start. Come on, man. Like Those guys are going to be drinking for at least 10 hours beforehand. Like, of course, they're going to be fucking shithoused. Uh, and they to put it on a Saturday, too. Have they stopped drinking since they won? Like those guys are like the, the, the poor the poor lady who was probably like running the parade, having to drag him away from the mic and get him off because he's dropped about like 50 F-bombs. Dude, the thing with it is it's like. What? <laughs> All professional athletes are so composed throughout so many things. And then we wait to interview them until they're at their absolute happiest. They'll probably be in their sports profession life. And after they've drank so much liquor, like any person would fold under that pressure and drop a couple F bombs. Like for the abs, I think there was only like three or four, maybe at the parade, but there was a couple. Yeah, like, come on, man. Like, I, I just always find that so funny. It's like, let's interview this guy after he's insu- consumed a bottle of champagne in 20 minutes and ask him these hard-hitting questions. And, like, of course, he's going to be like... You're chugging thousands of dollars worth of alcohol on a bus on a parade that's all about you and you have thousands of people chanting your name. Like, us mortal humans cannot even imagine that kind of in literal intoxicating feeling. They're going to drop yeah. a couple swears. Like, it's just the best. Cause if I remember right, like didn't Ovi drop a pretty big, pretty good F bomb. 
probably yeah, the best, probably the best yeah. one of all time. Yeah, he's like, we fucking did it. No, it's like we're <laughs> it's not going to be back. fucking suck this year, and yeah, just breathing and holding up the cup. I mean, I don't think Ovi stopped drinking for three months. I'm shocked no. he started the next season. Well, he's Russian, so I mean, like yeah. his liver's stronger than most. And then, like, because I remember Landy dropped an f bomb. I want to say Bednar dropped an f bomb too. I think so. Didn't Kadri I say Bednar did? Did who? Did Kadri drop one, or am I not remembering that right? I don't think he did. He may have. He may have. But that's what the whole t- the three second the whole thing for that. You just black it up. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're a kid and you hear an f bomb, I promise you that's not the first time that kid's heard the f word. Right. Like it's probably it's really not that afraid. big of a deal. Like yeah, you know, you know full well what you're getting into with that. Yeah, dude, the Nuggets parade was a totally different animal than the Avalanche parade. Like people, you you remember like at the Avs parade, people were like pretty respectful of the boundaries. No one was hopping over it. Dude, at the Nuggets parade, people were like running in the parade, like not just like one or two, like 50 to 100 people were just running into the parade route. And it resulted in a fucking police officer getting run over by a fucking fire truck. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was in intensive care and like, we haven't gotten an update since then, but like the nuggets parade was just fucking wild, wild. And I was like, wow, this abs parade was fucking really fun last time. Like last year, this one was just like a full on party. Like the abs one was like a kind of a contained party. And like the worst thing that happened was like, people were throwing beers at the players. And like that, that was like the worst thing that happened. Um, but yeah, it was crazy, dude. Well, it I mean, was crazy. Only, I mean, the craziest thing that happened is the security didn't recognize Bo and they didn't remember he was on yeah. the team. They just thought he was a fan. Well, they learned this year all the players were wearing badges that yeah. said staff. Yeah. So they did learn from that one. Also, Stan the Man was able to speak again. And I'm just, I could love that man. Just love that guy. He's just so good, man. And uh, he was talking into the microphone, he was great. And yeah, it's just I'm getting used to this whole championship parade thing every summer. I I, I think I I think I'm gonna get used to it for a little bit longer. So, I quite, I quite but yeah, dude, you would have been shocked at how that parade went compared to the Avs one. Probably. I mean, I've only been involved in in hockey parades in my lifetime. Yeah, I imagine are much more tame. Super Bowl parades are really crazy just because more people care about football, so there's a lot more people there. Um, the Avs one was probably the best experience I had because I felt like we actually like we were right there. And we got to see like all of it up close and personal. This Nuggets one was just chaos. Like it was just chaos. And then the Broncos one was just like, if you weren't there camping out the night before, you weren't getting a good seat. Right. So you know, I love the pictures but, from all of them of just the um, the the sea of people in oh, yeah. all of them. It's the best, man. It, it's the best. And I I think we you know what's going to happen next year? I'm going to call a shot. I think the Avs win the cup and the Nuggets win another championship. The We could have like two parades in like a five-day span. Yeah. I mean, like imagine, like think about the Nuggets won the day before the Knights did. Correct. Imagine, imagine next year it's the Avs winning the day after and then you just have parades back-to-back or potentially at the same time just because- At the same time and just all those players- like, we, like, think, like think about it. Think about it. Would you really want to have two parades back to back on different days? Would that really be good for people to have that kind of strain on like city traffic two days in a row? Do you just bite the bullet and have like a million people in Denver at the same time? You probably bite the bullet, but that would 
be the best parade of parades if that, that would be that like, would that be would the best be. parade of all time like just straight yeah. like that would kick so much ass um oh my god i'm just imagining all the people that would be down there yeah and like hockey people mixing with basketball people that would not mix well that would not mix well griffin i that would I not think, mix I, well i think with championships i i think it would mix just fine when you both yeah. win, I think everyone's just happy and drunk enough that I don't think I think it'd be fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, fuck the fucking after the Nuggets won, there was like a shooting that like eleven people got hurt, and then the parade there was another shooting. <laughs> like it's just craziness, dude. Just absolute craziness. So, yeah, that's the parade talk for uh, on for that today. Note, yeah. Yeah. On on that note, let's wrap this episode up. Um, I, I don't think I have any crazy stories about my life today. Um, I had the one happen a couple of weeks ago where the girl I went on a date with just openly admitted she uses cocaine every weekend, which that was fun. Um, she texted me again, by the way. Oh, sweet. And I had to come. I just had to be like, yeah, um, I'm busy. <laughs> like, I, oh, I don't have it in me. Yeah. I don't have it in me to do like the whole, um, the whole like, ghosting of people because i'm just too nice but man coming up with a lie on the spot there was tough but uh yeah sorry to blow yeah, that, you I, off yeah sorry to blow you off but uh yeah no someone, i can't do it I, someone listening got that joke and whoever did i appreciate you <laughs> but yeah i think that's pretty much it for the craziness of my life other than that i'm, I'm living a pretty normal life as always uh great to hear we certainly miss your <laughs> stories sometimes of you hating children at the gym and the the women that you meet sometimes it brings a lot oh dude the children stuff. at the gym has still been a massive problem but i'm finding ways to work around them i'm very, finding ways to work around very them. good somehow we've stretched this episode out to an hour i really had my doubts coming into it but i think we're ready to to wrap this one up here Next time, we will have a much more cohesive episode, I promise. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Use promo code Teledabs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at Teledabs It Is. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go abs.